The Pittsburgh Pirates are fresh off of a series loss to the worst team in Major League Baseball in the Oakland Athletics. How do they bounce back from that? Also, we're going to take a look at the NL Central and where it currently stands and talk a little bit about Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis playing together in AAA Indianapolis. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Pirates brought to you by Bird Dogs. Give me one second, everybody. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast, everybody. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every single day. My name is Ethan Smith. Of course, you know me. And guess who has internet again? Me. So guess who's also here with me again on Thursday? Craig Toth, who uh, last week of course, uh, was a little busy, of course, so we didn't get him. You guys haven't gotten Gary Morgan in a couple Mondays. There's been a lot of different stuff going on. June is a busy month of the year. June is a very busy month of the year, but Craig is here on Thursday, June 8th, after a series that, (laughs) before we started recording, I didn't even call a series, just because the Pirates, as you put it, Craig, got out OBP'd in this series against the Oakland Athletics. But first off, how are you, Craig? How's everything going? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, June gets kind of crazy. The kids, like it's end of school year. Uh, wrapping up uh, baseball season here for for the youngest, and it, yeah, it just kind of it, everything kind of falls at the same time. Yeah, and you look at this series, and it was funny. I was actually on a locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, on Tuesday, and we talked about the Pirates being in first place. Obviously, since that episode aired, they have not won a game naturally, just because that's how that works. But a lot of people, I saw a lot of panic from social media in terms of the Pirates with losing this series to the Oakland Athletics. But they're only a game and a half out of first place still. Yeah, the division's not great. Yeah, we're going to talk about that more in the second segment today. But it's still noteworthy that the Pirates lost two of three games to the worst team in baseball. They entered the series on a five-game winning streak even on Monday. They struggled a little bit. They were down 3 nothing for a good portion of that game until I believe it was the 6th or the 7th inning where they really started ramping things up because the Oakland bullpen, much like the rest of the team, is just not very good. So they took advantage of that, winning that game, extending their win streak to six games. And at that point, I was like, okay, you got Mitch Keller on the mound on Tuesday. Win that game, and then if they lose Wednesday, who really cares, right? But then we get to Tuesday's game, and something just felt off. I don't know if that's the right way to really describe it, but something just felt off with how the Pirates played on Tuesday. Mitch was giving up tons of hard contact. The offense was not what it looked like the night before in those final couple innings, which is what I expected them to do. I expected them to come out in the second game and kind of take some of that offense that they had from the first game late in the game. And apply it, which they kind of did. They scored a run in the first inning. But Mitch just kind of fell apart in this game. I don't know what was really going on with him. Now, obviously, this is a much better Mitch Keller than we've ever seen. And even with the loss that he had, his ERA only went up to a 3-6. 
So he's still having a very good year. And then, of course, the A's just took care of business against um, – I don't even really want to say his name on the show anymore because he just doesn't need to be on this team. Um, let's just say his ERA is about a half – the number is about half as much as old as I am. If you can't do the math, I'm 24, so you can figure it out on your own. And I'm just surprised that he's still on the team. And then Wednesday, which I think is going to be the big part we're going to talk about here. So it was this, it was a weird thing that the Pirates were doing with Rowanzi where I forget what the term they were using was. It was like a, like a spot start. Is that what they were calling it? I don't remember what they were calling it. It, it was a weird terminology because they basically said it, it was going to be – almost like a, a a piggyback they i guess they had yeah. talked to uh luis ortiz and rwanzi before that that you know rwanzi didn't have uh, maybe like his full term of pitch pitches or his pitch count uh that mm-hmm. he was going to be given a certain amount of pitches and then you know at some point in time ortiz would come in now hopefully in those piggyback starts the the goal is to go three innings go about 45 to 50 pitches, bring in the next guy. And then he kind of does the same and maybe lasts a little bit longer to, you know, save the bullpen, which in Ortiz's last appearance had to be, you know, completely all hands on deck because of the phantom rain delay. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was going to be a weird situation to begin with. Um, you would think if if that's the goal that you know Rowanzi would go out there almost like it was a I don't know a long relief type thing, but I yeah just never really had anything going. No, and Wednesday's game was particularly interesting, obviously because Rowanzi didn't even make it out of the first inning. He only gets one recorded out, seven runs, six hits. Pretty much all of them singles. I mean, he didn't really give up anything that was like, oh, he's given up three home runs in the first inning. That speaks more on the A's than what happened to Rowanzi. Because if Rowanzi would have did this against any other team, those would have been home runs. He was basically throwing BP to the Oakland Athletics in the first inning. Then just uh, Rob, Big Z comes in. He does fine. He walked three, but he only gave up. He didn't give up a hit, so that helped. And then Luis Ortiz came in, and he gave up 10 hits over five innings, which is concerning, but he also only allowed two earned runs. So it was really hard for the Pirates in this game. Of course, Dowry Moretta did his thing, and then um, I believe it was Angel Perdomo that came in later in that game. Um, but after the first inning, it was over. I mean, they gave up 17 hits. There were seven runs scored in the first inning. They kind of clawed back a little bit. Then the A's kind of finished things off in the seventh inning. Again, it was it was one of those series that was like, okay, this doesn't really matter. And I hate to say it that way, but this is also a series the Pirates obviously should have won. This is a series we might look back on later in the year to look at and say, okay, they should have won this series. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. What matters is how do they move past it? Obviously, it's another Thursday off day. Thankfully, this ends next week when we play the uh, Chicago Cubs on Thursday, and it actually goes for quite a while, I believe, um, until the 13th of July, which is All-Star Weekend, so they won't have a Thursday off until then. You get the Mets, and then, of course, the big nine-game stretch that we'll talk about in the second segment. The Mets series, I would even go as far to say 
I mean, it's important, but do we really think the Pirates are going to be fighting for a wild card spot versus fighting for the division come August? I, I don't really know if that's a question that has been placed in the minds of anybody. Like, do we really care what we do against the Mets or do we really care what we really do outside of the division at this point? I think you need to just not have extensive losing streaks. Uh, yeah. I talked about that previously. I mean, you get a, you get like a six game winning streak. You can't follow that up with it with a six game losing streak. It, it has to stop at some point in time. Uh, you're, I'm not saying you're treading water at this point in time, but I mean, that's kind of what's happening to almost everybody uh, in the division. So for the pirates, it's to, you know, somebody has to step in at some point in time, have a good start, you know, have, you know, a complete game from your entire team and and stop that from happening. As, As long as the losing streaks don't get, you don't get swept by, you know, a couple teams in a row, that's when, you know, I start to push the panic button again, especially at this point in the season. I didn't push the panic button you know, back in May uh, when we lost to the Rays and the Blue Jays. But if we would, you know, get swept by the Mets here and then, you know, lose two or three to the Cubs and then lose two or three to the Bur- then, yeah, if you start yeah. stacking those losses. So at this point in time, it's like trying to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Do you want to win a series against the athletics? Should you win a series against the athletics? Absolutely. Um, but we've seen, you know, the athletics took two or three from the Braves. I always point to when we went in and absolutely, you know, clobbered the Dodgers last mm-hmm. year in Dodger Stadium for three games. I mean, it's not like the NFL, like any given Sunday, but it's almost like any given series. You know, weird things can happen. Things can, you know, kind of get away from you. And when you have certain guys on hot streaks, certain guys on cold streaks, it doesn't seem like stuff's like matching up. It's like one person goes on a hot streak, like Brian Hayes, and now Brian Reynolds is on a cold streak. Yep. Yeah, you know, you have Rodolfo Castro coming back on a hot streak. Carlos Santana's on a cold streak. So, like, but it all comes down to, I mean, we're talking about, you know, starting pitching here. You have Mitch that doesn't have the greatest start. You have Rwanzi that has a, you know, a, a pretty poor start. And, you know, you have less of a chance to win those games. So, I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. The bullpen, for the most part, has been performing pretty well. But they're also not being called upon to either – you know, keep the team in games. The game's usually sometimes out of hand before they get there, or it's out of hand the other direction, and and they're just, you know, going out there and they're pitching their game. Yeah, and that's where I think in this Mets series, which I'll talk a lot more tomorrow on uh, about that series as it starts tomorrow, is I kind of want to see the Pirates win three hotly contested games in a row again. They did it against St. Louis. I want to see them do that on a consistent basis. I'm tired of seeing – these 11 to 2, 9 to 5, like even on both sides. It's just, it's it's annoying. But we're going to get a little bit into the NL Central here in just a moment. Obviously, the NL Central could change dra- like drastically in the next two times if Craig is here on a Thursday. Obviously, um, two Thursdays from now would be the conclusion of that nine-game streak against Chicago, Milwaukee, Chicago. But if you want to be comfortable, at least, while watching these games, at least 
as comfortable as you can be watching the Pittsburgh Pirates play baseball, make sure you check out Bird Dogs. I wore Bird Dogs to work yesterday. Guess what ended up happening when I wore Bird Dogs to work yesterday? I met Mike Malarkey yesterday. That's what happened when you wear Bird Dogs. You meet people you thought you'd never meet in Savannah, Georgia, that played and coached for the Pittsburgh Steelers before you were even alive. That's what happens when you wear Bird Dogs, because they make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lulu Lulu Lemon, but fit way better. (laughs) They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Of course, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Yeah, that was a very fun interaction that I had yesterday at work. I very much enjoyed that. And of course, you can check me out on Sirius XM every single game this pirate season. On the radio, of course. And then on tomorrow's show, we're going to be previewing this Mets three-game set as well as answering some of your questions via Twitter or however you want to release them. And we look at the NL Central again. I'm doing this kind of every week just in, in any sort of order. I just look at this division. And obviously this week in the NL Central, things have been interesting. Milwaukee's extended their lead over Pittsburgh by about a, a game. I would say, because I think the Pirates came into this week down half a game. Cincinnati, Chicago, and St. Louis are still pretty decently far behind Pittsburgh for the time being. But what's very interesting, and this will kind of lead into our next segment too, the the Reds did something interesting this week. They bring up Ellie De La Cruz, and they're only five games back. So now that starts making you think, Craig, or making me think at least, of the domino effect that could happen here between these teams where you start seeing the big prospects come up with the division being so wide open. Milwaukee, I don't really know who their big prospects are, but I would say if Milwaukee is in this spot this time next month, I don't know if it's as simple as them trading Corbin Burns and Woodruff and all these guys that we thought they might trade at some point. They did also shock us last year by trading Josh Hader at the deadline for whatever forsaken reason. Um, But do you think the Ellie De La Cruz call-up might cause a domino effect here between some of these teams in the division to get like think about making moves and promoting prospects in the division to go after a division that is really up for grabs for anybody? Well, with the Ellie De La Cruz stuff, um, I think what everybody also has to know is that Nick Senzel went on the 10-day IL. There yes. was a corresponding move. It wasn't just that they decided it was time. Um, I mean, the Pirates have seen it even when we were fairly non-competitive with Brian Reynolds coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, injuries, you know, create opportunity. Last year with, with Jack Sawinski coming up, he wouldn't have been up if there wouldn't have been a string of injuries. So yeah. I feel like it it kind of like, I don't know if it's like the perfect storm or whatever it would be where the Reds are still kind of close and calling up De La Cruz. 
Um, if Nick Senzel doesn't get hurt, Dela Cruz probably isn't coming up for another couple of weeks. So their hand was kind of forced at that point in time. Um, the same way the Pirates' hand would be forced if, you know, unfortunately, you know, Jack Swinski or, you know, God forbid, a, a Rodolfo Castro, a Tucapito Marcano goes down with injury. At that point in time, you know, you're calling somebody up who is probably still on on your 40 men. You could be calling up a Leo Pagaro. You could be calling up, uh, you know, hopefully an Endy or a Henry. But, I mean, that's just, just one thing I, I like to throw out there is just for everybody to have all of their facts as to the situation surrounding the call-up. Was the kid ready? The kid was more than ready. Oh, I mean, I mean, look at the home run he hit yesterday against Noah Syndergaard. I mean, the thing literally, like, I mean, I know it's going to be kind of weird for me to say this, Craig, but he looked like, if you just put him and O'Neill Cruz next to each other and, like, watch their bats, like, how they swing, how they play, how they just measure, they look exactly the same. Like, just, like, how they play – Obviously, different styles, like, you know, all that stuff. But they're both left-handed power bats that are going to probably torture this division for the next decade. Well, Ellie's, very- a, Ellie's a switch hitter. and so, Oh, he is. Yeah, he's a switch hitter, so he's extremely dangerous. And, I mean, I just look at his path through the minors. I, I, I go to the OPS – 2019, 733, 2021, 874, last year – uh, 968. I mean, he is, has been tearing up the minors and, and that's where like, I feel there is a little bit of a difference. And this is not to say that Uno Cruz isn't, you know, going to be a great player at some point in time, but their paths to the majors. And I mean, are completely different. I mean, yeah, Ellie, yeah. De, Ellie De La Cruz did not falter at any level. I go back to O'Neill Cruz's call up to to Altoona back down in 2019 to to Altoona, and he he struggled. He was hitting like 260 something. Ellie De La Cruz never did that. Now, could he? You know, could they equal out at some point in time? Ellie De La Cruz is, is you know significantly younger. Um, I mean, it's a possibility, but I mean, this is the difference between a a, a Wander Franco, a Juan Soto, a Ellie De La Cruz, and you know, Pirates fans, we we hold our prospects in such higher regard than if you look across ma- Major League Baseball. I mean, people say you know we know our prospects better than everybody else. Well, for the most part, we only know our prospects. I mean, that's that's as a Pirates fan, there's not too many people that are looking at you know, the entirety of minor league baseball. Elido Cruz is a, is a generational talent. Ono Cruz has the potential to be a generational talent, but he has also stumbled and, and struggled at different levels. Elido Cruz never did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes you think, I mean, if he comes up and does well, that's where it goes back to the point that I was making is does Milwaukee kind of say, Hmm. And Milwaukee's already kind of been doing this this year with the guys like Bryce Terang and, some of the young guys that have contributed in Milwaukee to that offense and even in the pitching staff, they've seen that already. St. Louis tried it with Jordan Walker and it just hasn't worked out. But St. Louis is also just, I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals. And then the Cubs, I mean, I don't really know where the Cubs want to sit with this. They're seven and a half back right now, but 
I again, it's like like you said, I don't really know their farm system all that great, and I don't know who they would really bring up. Cincinnati, I, like you said, their their hand was forced, but I do think the forcing of their hand is going to work out for them pretty well because if he can be a consistent bat in that lineup with the pitching they have now, I know Graham Ashcraft, I believe, just got injured for the is he on the sixty day? I think. Is he on the 60-day IL or the 10? I can't. He, I know he got injured at some point, but I can't remember. But for Pirates fans, I know it's frustrating, but I do think that one of those two, and Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis, is going to be up here soon. I mean, it, it has to be at some point because we'll get into a segment that Craig will very much enjoy here now for the final segment of today's show where I've been wanting to talk about it all week, but obviously I haven't had internet. I saw that it was announced earlier in the week. I was very excited about it. Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis are both playing together in AAA. And the first thing that I kept seeing was, how are they going to split up the catching duties? How are they going to do this? How are they going to do that? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, guess what? They have secondary positions for a reason and have been playing those secondary positions all year. Andy Rodriguez, as Craig mentioned earlier, say Castro or Marcano gets hurt. Andy Rodriguez can play second base. He is fully capable of playing that position. Say like a Jack Sawinski or actually even one, I'd go even a little deeper to that. Say a Connor Joe goes down with an injury. Henry Davis could play right field. He could play perfectly fine out there. And I think that's something that Pirates fans are going to have to come to a realization with too is I don't necessarily think the corresponding move to get Henry or Endy up here is going to involve Austin Hedges or Jason DeLay. I just really don't. I think they could keep three catchers on the roster, personally. I don't know how you feel about that, Craig, and you probably have a better gauge on it. Um, but I don't think that it would necessarily dictate that DeLay or Hedges is gone just because Davis or Endy comes up. Yeah, I think it's – unless it was – a you know a move up of both of those players then you would have to do that but I, I really don't see that happening I, I see it being Andy um, at this point in time he's more advanced uh, as a catcher and he does have a little bit more position flexibility uh, has only played first base this year played some second, played some outfield um, in previous seasons. He can play those positions in a pinch, um, but for the most part, he would probably be catcher first base and DH. So he does give you, I feel like, a little bit more uh, position flexibility uh, in a pinch. Uh, Henry, um, you're going to see it posted all over social media, like the, the great play he made behind the plate. Uh, what you're not going to see for – those of us that watched the rest of the game was the three caught steal, the three uh, base runners that he tried to catch and couldn't get because he wasn't set up properly um, framing different stuff like that. So, I mean, and I, that's the problem is I, I feel like every single time I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm talking down about our players and I'm not, I, no. it's just, I, I've come to, as an old man, it could be old man yells at cloud. I got a big white beard, old man yells at cloud. I've come to hate social media because you only show the great stuff that happens for about three seconds of the game. And you don't show the struggles and, and mm -hmm. other stuff that happens throughout uh, the rest of it. And then it, that part gets shared. Um, 
and and it's great for to see him make that type of play. Um, but I I don't know. Like I follow, you know, what the scouts have said, the experts that I talk to. I mean, I had Zach Buchanan from The Athletic on my, one of my shows, Minor League News and Brews, a couple weeks ago, talking about this exact same topic. And scouts, experts have said that if Henry Davis is going to catch in the major leagues, that he's about a year to a year and a half of way from being capable of catching in the major leagues. And one play like that isn't going to change my mind. Um, people have said that Andy is more advanced as a catcher. Um, I think if if Henry comes up at some point in time that he is more than likely going to be right field DH. Andy, like you said, like I said, is going to move all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just in my own estimation, I have I think it's June 27th versus uh, the Padres. We come back from a day off on Monday. I head back home, I believe, at that point in time. And for me, it also matches up with the type of schedule that both Andy and Henry have been playing. The minor leagues have every Monday off, then play a six-game schedule, and then have that Monday off. I mean, that's probably, for me, a time that I would see that happening. Um, Andy's hitting slightly better. Um, The numbers look really, really good um, at this point in time in June. Once again, watch the game. His four-hit game he hit one ball solid and had like two like off the knob of the bat hits and then one that was completely misjudged by a minor league outfielder. So that's where my thing is, is that I, I feel like we're putting like so much stock in that these guys are going to be you know, great as soon as they come up. And I'm just trying to give people like a realistic expectation of what's you know kind of actually you know going on with these players um, and, and going back, I mean, just talking about like the development of like a Mitch Keller, like Mitch Keller with a 360 ERA, like you said before is great. Um, we've pretty much in our minds as pirates fans, because of how he started, have him as an ACE as Cy Young contender, which he, you know, was in that short sample size for, you know, that period of time. I look at it as you have a rotation of five guys. You need five solid starting pitchers, you know, to win uh, a division, you need at least three uh, to win a series at this point in time. Mitch Keller is one of those guys, even Mm -hmm. if he's struggling at this point in time, he's one of the five. To me, it doesn't really matter where, you know, he fits into that section. If you look back to 2000, uh, the 12 and 13 seasons, we had a bunch of twos and threes. We didn't really have an ace. So uh, that's where that kind of goes with, with Andy and Henry. I think that right now, Henry's bat plays, this is like the unfortunate thing is I think Henry's bat will play in the major leagues. I'm not sure if his, his ability in the field or behind the plate plays in the majors at this point in time. I, I think Andy has the better chance to, cause I think his defense behind the plate will be serviceable. I think his, you know, play at first base will be pretty, pretty good. He's that's where he has the most experience at and he could be serviceable at the other positions. And I think his bat will eventually come around. He's just shown he's too good of a hitter, you know, not to be able to do that. But this isn't the, you know, Andy getting called up to Indy last year after, 
you know, tearing up the minor leagues. And I mean, dude was on a heater. I mean, anything you threw, he was hitting out. I mean, at this point in time, he's had a couple of balls that he stung, um, but he's getting back on track and he looks a lot better. But you also have to remember that he have, had a forearm injury. And people will say, we had a forearm injury, so he wasn't behind the plate. He couldn't throw. Try to swing a bat with a forearm injury and see how see how that feels. You know, so, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I go back to like the health class when you're a little kid, you know, the knee bones connected to the whatever bone. Well, the forearms connected to the wrist, which is connected to the hand, you know, you're not going to come mm-hmm. back from that as quickly. So, I, I mean, in a long of a short thing, I think Andy comes up first. I think the pirate's hand is forced here um, at some point in time just because um, of their play um, and because of the the play of others on the team. What I would like to see Andy getting a couple starts at first base every week, um, just because of, you know, Carlos Santana struggles at this point in time, mm-hmm. you could have, you know, Connor Joe there a couple days, Andy there a couple days and Carlos Santana there a couple days and DHing one day. Yeah. Um, Carlos Santana doesn't need to play um, every single game. He doesn't need, you know, to play six days a week. Um, and I don't think that it, it's beneficial to him or the team to do that. Cause we're seeing his struggles when that happens, when he's asked to do that. I mean, I think on uh, the show yesterday, Chris and I just basically said he can be a leader within that clubhouse and not have to be on the field as much. Um, and as a pinch hitter, you know, he didn't show it yesterday, but I think that, you know, he could usually, if his, he could give you some pretty good plate appearances if he's just being called on in select situations. So, I mean, that's where that kind of goes for me. Um, and, and Henry at, at some point in time is probably going to be platooning right field. I'm looking at that as being more towards, um, after the all-star break and, and you know, pushing towards August. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of where I stand with that. I, but, I mean, I, I don't know if the Pirates and as much as people, you know, I don't think they think this way. I don't think they think, you know, we're this close to the division. So where can we bring guys up to, you know, to help the team? And the Reds have shown, I mean, this one, their hand was forced, but the Reds have shown that even when they're not super competitive, um, you know, like a, like a last year and bringing up like a Hunter Green, you know, from yeah. the get go. So uh, the Reds operate uh, differently than the Pirates. And sometimes it can work out to their benefit. Other times, like you said, you have Nick Odolo just went on the 60 day IL. Graham Ashcraft just coming back from the 15. Um, so what's leading them right now is their offense. Uh, and not really their pitching. So if the offense would begin to struggle even a little bit, um, they may find themselves in the same situation that the Pirates were in May. Like none of these teams, uh, going back to like the second segment, none of these teams are, you know, complete teams. None of them. No. No. And I think that's the thing that at some point, like I said, it is what, June 8th? We've been thinking about – when these guys are going to come up now with a quick Google search, as we end today's show, let's just go back to last or uh, 2020. When did Omeo? Yeah. He debuted last year. 
right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, last year feels like a year and a half ago because it was. <laughs> um, it says he made it in 2021, but that's the wrong. Um, June 20th actually was the time that O'Neill Cruz debuted last year as like a full participant of this team. It's June 8th. Just keep that in your head. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in today to the Locked On Pirates podcast brought to you by Bird Dogs. My name is Ethan Smith. That is Craig Toth. You can follow him on Twitter at Bucks Basement and follow all the stuff that he's doing over at Inside the Bucks Basement and, of course, um, Brews and – I always forget the name of it. Minor, minor League News and Brews. There it is. I always I always think Minor Leagues and Brews is in there somewhere, but I always forget the news. <laughs> and then, of course, you guys could find me tomorrow here on the Locked on Pirates podcast. Follow on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked on Pirates. Did not mean to put that up there, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you guys on the flip side.